Hi, and welcome back to the Uncharted Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Miter, and this is episode 51 of our 100 Days of Podcasting. And if you're new to the show, that just means you're getting a little bit of an unedited version because when you're doing 100 days, which is a podcast every single day for 100 days, we don't have time to edit. So check out some of my interviews. Those are the better podcasts where I have the editor do all the fancy work. But in these, you just get me real coming at you and hopefully it still brings you a lot of insight, a lot of tips. And a lot of um, just messaging that makes you think. My goal with this podcast is I do want you to just pause and think about things. How you live your life. Why do you live the life that you have? (laughs) Because sometimes we just go through the routine and we don't even know why we're doing what we're doing. So I hope it causes you to pause and think. I hope it gives you some tools to put into action so that you can live your best life and start enjoying the journey. And that's what today's podcast is hopefully going to help you do. It's from notes from uh, the four hour work week by Timothy Ferris. If you haven't read it yet, and you really want to have unlimited lifestyle and location freedom, I highly recommend you pick up the book. I don't agree with everything he says in the book, but there's a lot of great tips. And we're going to dive into some of those today. Let's get started. Okay, my friends. So as I shared, today we're going to jump into uh, parts from the four-hour work week. And I've been rereading this book. I picked it up oh, probably a few years ago, and I kind of skimmed through it back then. But now that I am coaching others and working to live my best life and cut down on the amount of hours that I work, I decided like, okay, we need to dive into this. And what does Timothy Ferris teach? And again, I don't agree with all of his stuff, but there's definitely some things you can take away and implement into your life today. It doesn't even have to wait until that day that you can truly have that lifestyle and location freedom. And today we're going to talk about just how to eliminate some of the stuff you're doing and like really get down where you can maybe work a four day work week. You know, we may not be able to get to that four-hour work week yet, but what if you got to a four-hour day work week? I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty darn excited about that. And what I love about Timothy Ferris is he does really make you think about things and like, why why do we do that? So I want to just read a paragraph here before we dive into the tips he has for really mastering our time and eliminating all the unnecessary work and some tips, practical tips to do that. So this is from directly from the book. And he says, for the entrepreneur, the wasteful use of time is a matter of bad habit and imitation. I am no exception. Most entrepreneurs were once employees and came from the nine to five culture. Thus, they adopt the same schedule, whether or not they function at 9 a.m. or need eight hours to generate their target income. This schedule is a collective social agreement and a dinosaur legacy of the results-by-volume approach. How is it possible that all the people in the world need exactly eight hours to accomplish their work? It isn't. Nine to five is arbitrary. You don't need eight hours per day to become a legitimate millionaire, let alone have the means to live like one. And I love that because it really made me stop and think. It's like, 
oh yeah, like who said, how could that be that every job requires an eight hour day? Now I know not everybody works an eight hour day, but you get the point because even my husband just left this morning. He's doing 12 hours of overtime. He works from eight to eight. Um, When he works his regular shift, it's a 24 hour shift as a firefighter. So I know that not everybody does, but you get the idea that most jobs are nine to five. Why? Why? So just in that statement alone, I would challenge you to start thinking about why we do the things we do when it comes to work and a schedule. And even if you have a career, like, could you have more flexibility in that? And I think that's the one thing with this past year with COVID, it has really challenged the thinking of employees and employers that they're realizing that one, people can work from home and be just as productive, if not more productive. And I am willing to bet that there are a lot of people working from home now that get a lot more done in a shorter amount of time so that they can do the things they need to do with their family or the things they want to do with their family. Now that they don't have the wasted time of a boss hovering over them, or they're not, you know, standing around the proverbial water cooler, chatting with their uh, peers, that they can really just sit down and focus and get their work done. And they are realizing that I don't need eight hours to get my work done and probably be more productive in less time. So let's dive into some of the tips that Timothy Ferris teaches in his book for being having more time management. And the first thing he talks about is really diving into Parkinson's law and the Pareto principle. And Parkinson's law, if you're not familiar with it, says the work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. So if you ever think about, you know, a traditional, your traditional 40 hour work week, but then you're going on vacation for two weeks someplace or even a week. Don't we get so much stuff done the day before vacation? So that just proves the, the uh, Parkinson's law that sometimes if we only have a little bit of time, we can get stuff done. Or maybe it's, uh, you know, at home and all of a sudden, you know, back in the day when unexpected company could drop by, you have a friend that stops you know, that gives you a call and says, hey, we're in, we're in the area. We'd love to stop by. And your house is a disaster. And what maybe normally would take you all day to clean, you can get it cleaned up in 30 minutes. <laughs> like that is Parkinson's law at its best. Then the Pareto principle is the 80-20 rule. And this like works in everything. It's kind of scary how it really is true, no matter what you're talking about. And the Pareto principle is 80% of results happen from 20% of the work, or 80% of your income comes from 20% of your clients, or 80% of, you know, your activity, your results comes from 20% of the activity, 80% of your team produces or 80% of your, if you have a team, 80% of the income generated by that team comes from 20% of the team members. Like it fits with everything. So he really embraces those two principles to put that into your life and how you work. 
And Timothy, in the book, he shares how when he really learned this 80-20 rule, he, he really spent time looking at his client list and his business at the time and realized that, yes, 80% of his income came from 20% of his customers. And he basically, he says, fired the other 80% of his customers that weren't producing many results, or he put them on an automation and he only focused on that top 20% of his best clients. And he said his income actually rose by doing that because he could give them better service. And here's the thing to realize is a lot of times it's the bottom 80% that are the noisiest. They are the ones that demand our attention more or the ones that cause the most issues. They're the ones that complain the most. They're the ones that have all the issues all the time. And they're only producing 20% of your income. So really start looking at that. And I know that was definitely true for me in the direct sales field that 20 or 80% of our inc- my income generated or our team production came from 20% of the consultants on my team. But a lot of times it was the ones in the other arena that caused that caused all the time. Like they wanted my time and they weren't one of the top producers. So anyway, getting sidetracked here. Let's jump into these principles that he teaches beyond that. So he's, number one, he says, if you had a heart attack and had to work two hours per day, what would you do? So think about that when you're trying to figure out like what would be the priorities is if you could only work two hours a day, what would those most what would the most productive activities be? Focus on those daily. Then he said, if you had a second heart attack and had to work two hours per week, what would you do? And again, this just is going to cause you to stop and think, what are the most productive activities? If you could only work two hours a day or two hours a week, what would that look like? And then he said, now, like I said, some of Timothy Ferris's stuff is pretty radical and some of the way he says things. So this is a typical Timothy Ferris statement. If you had a gun to your head and had to stop working, st- had to stop doing four-fifths of different time-consuming activities, what would you remove? So if you had a gun to your head and had to stop doing four-fifths of different time-consuming activities, what would you remove? And he goes on to say, simplicity requires ruthlessness. If you had to stop four-fifths of time-consuming activities, emails, phone calls, conversations, paperwork, meetings, advertising, customers, suppliers, products, services, etc., what would you eliminate to keep the negative effect on income to a minimum? Used even once per month, this question alone can keep you sane and on track. And again, the whole point of these first three questions is just really looking at where we spend our time. And is it the most productive use use of our time? Chances are no. I know I can waste away a day better than anybody. And he says, number four, what are the top three activities that I use to fill time to feel as though I've been productive? Oh, that one like hits me right at the heart. How about you? That what are the top three activities that I use to feel, to fill time, to feel, so to 
fill, F-I-L-L time, to feel, F-E-E-L, as though I've been productive. He says these are usually used to postpone more important actions, often uncomfortable because there is a chance of failure or rejection. Be honest with yourself as we all do this on occasion. What are your crutch activities? And I know I am guilty of this one. There are things that, well, I got to get this done. But really, do I? Do I really need to do that before I get to the main thing? And we need to look at like, why are we avoiding the most important activities? Is that that chance of failure? Is it that chance of rejection? What's holding us back from doing the most important thing that's really going to make a difference in our business? The number five, who are the 20% of people who produce 80% of your enjoyment and propel you forward? And which 20% cause 80% of your depression, anger, and second guessing? And he says, identify positive friends versus time-consuming friends. Who is helping versus hurting you? And how do you increase your time with the former while decreasing or eliminating your time with the latter? And he goes on, he has a couple paragraphs about that, but just looking at even our circle of friends and can we stop spending time with that 80% that causes us just doesn't fill our cup and spend more time with that top 20% who light us up when we're in their space. (coughs) So sorry. Number six, learn to ask. If this is the only thing I accomplish today, will I be satisfied with my day? I love this one because if you only get one thing done on a typical work day, would that one thing be something that's going to cause you to get closer to your ultimate life, your ultimate goal? And do that thing first. Make it a priority that if you only get that one thing done, that you will feel satisfied and you will know that you did one of the most important high impact activities. Start really thinking that way. And he recommends for the to-do list, again, we've talked about this before, do it the night before, not the morning of, and he likes to keep it to just three things. He doesn't put a lot on his to-do list, but that they are the high impact things. Number seven, put a post-it on your computer screen or set an Outlook reminder to alert you at least three times daily with the question, are you inventing things to do to avoid the important? (laughs) Now, personally, I'm going to set a phone alarm for three times a day to ask me, Is what I'm doing now the most important thing? Or is what I'm doing now going to get me to my goal? And I think just having that trigger, like reminding you, and it'll like, if we're wasting time, we're doing the scroll or we're just doing activities that aren't really that important. That reminder is just going to snap you back to reality. Like, whoa, wait, this is not what I should be doing right now. And get back to the most important activity. Number eight. Do not multitask. And I know for years, everybody wore that badge of honor. I'm great at multitasking. Like that's what everybody put on their resume. And I totally agree. Well, I agree with all of this or I wouldn't be sharing it. But 
multitasking is such a big farce. We cannot multitask and be our best. The only time I feel like you can multitask is when you are maybe watching something and doing an activity that doesn't really require any brain, like folding laundry, you can watch a training CD. Um, sometimes even driving, if we're going someplace, we don't like, we kind of know, and we're on a straight highway. We don't really need to pay. I mean, we have to pay somewhat attention. We can definitely be listening to a CD like, there I go aging myself to a podcast or something. But most activities just get that one activity done, hone in on it. And you've probably experienced this before. I love to set a timer put my phone down, put it away, no distractions, and concentrate on one thing. And when I do that, it's amazing how much I can get done in that time frame when I'm not trying to go back and forth, back and forth. Your brain, it takes a while for your brain to trigger back into another activity. So you get, you're way more productive if you stay focused on one thing at one time. And you're also going to get the best quality work that way. And then he talks about number nine, Use Parkinson's law on macro and micro level. So the macro level might look like um, attempting to take Monday and or Friday off or leave work at 4 p.m. or an hour earlier. So when you do that, again, Parkinson's law is the work will take, will fit into whatever time frame you allot it. So if you decide that, you know what, I am going to go down to a four-day four work week and you concentrate on it, you can get a whole week's worth of work done in four days. You could probably even do it in three days, but it's concentrating on the most important activities. And then he said on a micro level, limit the number of items on your to-do list and use impossibly short deadlines to force immediate action while in ignoring minutiae. So again, it goes back to just doing what you need to do when you need to do it and concentrate on that one activity and getting rid of the stuff that that 80% of the stuff we're doing that is not producing results. And I remember when my kids were little and they were at daycare or maybe two of them were at in school and one was still in daycare or not daycare, but uh, preschool and they would have preschool from nine to 1130. And I could get so much stuff done between 9 and 1130. It was crazy, whether it was personal running errands, that kind of thing, or I would come home, get to work. And because I had a short amount of time, boom, 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 like I concentrated. I knew I didn't have time to dilly-dally or to waste time. I only had that short time span of uninterrupted work. And it, then it was funny when I always thought, oh, when, you know, they go to all go to school all day, I'm going to be able to get so much stuff done. And you know what happened? I got less done. And I even find that today. I have no distractions. Like my husband's at work. I have the cat. She doesn't require a whole lot of attention. And that's it. And I can waste a, away a day. So that is Parkinson's law at its best. <laughs> and just... Make Give yourself those deadlines. And Tim Ferriss does share a couple of um, apps you can download, things on the computer. I'll share those in the show notes with you. I haven't tried them yet, but I'm definitely going to take a look at them. So I hope these tips 
do give you some things to think about and some things to try so that you can start working towards that lifestyle freedom. Because that is our goal here, my friends, is that we don't have to work that traditional nine to five. Like why? Just question it. Even if you're in a career, can you start showing that you can get just as much work done in four days and start having Fridays off? Like start working towards that now so that when you get to the summertime, imagine having a three-day weekend instead of a two-day weekend. Or maybe take Mondays off. And that would just give you so much more enjoyment in your life. And of course, ultimately, if you own your own business and you're an entrepreneur, then you design your your life the way you want to. So let me know which of these tips you will take on or how have you mastered your time? You know, share with me. I love to hear, you know, I love to get messages from my listeners in the DMs or an email from you saying how much the podcast has helped you in your life and or things that you would add. Okay, enjoy the week. Well, depends on when you're listening to this. This one is a Saturday podcast, so enjoy it. And if it's the weekend when you're listening, enjoy your weekend. Take some time off. Go have some fun. 